You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to another episode of Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the podcast where we deeply dive into the shows that we see. This week we're taking a little trip off Broadway because we had the chance to check out the new spooky comedy Dracula, a comedy of terrors. Want to know what happens when you take Bram Stoker's horror classic and turn it into a comedic retelling? Then join us for the next 30 minutes. I'm Richie, a theater director and producer. And I'm Jeff, a music industry producer and manager. Let's explore Dracula. Half hour! Welcome to today's show, everyone. Before we get started, we always like to let our listeners know a little bit about some of the spoilers from the show, a little bit about the show and the episode. So if you still want to keep listening, that's okay. Go check out the show, though, and come back and listen to this episode if you don't want any spoilers. So you have been warned. <laughs> we are talking today about Dracula, a comedy of terrors. Um, before we do that, I want to tell our audience a little bit about it. I want to just talk about Dracula for a second and what Dracula is and how that kind of fits into, you know, history. Um, so Dracula, as I had mentioned earlier, is an 1897 British novel uh, mm-hmm. written by Bram Stoker. Very famous. One of the most famous pieces of literature, right? And there's been numerous film adaptations. It's been mm-hmm. car- cartooned. I even think there's a Dracula Sesame Street character, right? I mean, I feel like Dracula's been kind of put everywhere in mainstream. The Count. Yeah, people, yes, The Count. And there's also um, Halloween time, right? And this is the, hall, the fall horror season, right? But, and there's um, cereal. Yeah, right, right. But I want to just let everyone know that this was on Broadway twice, it was a 1927 Broadway play, and then it was revived in 1977. The 1977 revival of the play ran almost three years, I believe. It had almost a 1,000 performances. So it was a very mm. successful play. It was musicalized. Frank Wildhorn wrote the music. It was a musical on Broadway in 2004. It lasted mm. a few months, and then it closed. Um, was there it is called a... Dracula? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Uh, I want to say Kelly O'Hara, isn't it? I could be wrong. Someone could call me out on that. Um, but so there is that. And so that's just a little bit of the history of just Dracula as a whole. When we're talking about Dracula, a comedy of terrors, we know that this is written by Gordon Greenberg and Steve Rosen. It's also directed by Gordon Greenberg. It's currently playing a new world stages, but a little history. It was a podcast series in 2020. Mm. Uh, and very famous actors, John Stamos, Chris Sieber, Annalie Ashford, Laura Benanti, Ashley Park, a lot of people were involved in this, big names during the COVID times. And it was, I think, to give the aesthetic of an old radio play when you would sit in your home a long, long time ago and listen to a play on the radio. I think think that was maybe the vibe of it. Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity to tell that like radio play style horror, but with a comedic spin, right? And so super smart. It was super smart. And now we're here and we're on. Off Broadway in a big commercial production of this at New World Stages, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, I'll, I'll just read a little bit more about that. That being said, here's basically this overview: Dracula, a comedy of terrors, is a 90-minute gender-bending quick change romp featuring a pansexual Gen Z Count Dracula in the midst of an existential crisis when he sets his sights on the brilliant young Earth scientist Lucy Westfeld. He meets his match for the first time as well as a slew of other colorful characters, including vampire hunter Jean von Helsing, insect connoisseur Percy Renfeld, and behavioral psychiatrist Wallace Westfeld, whose British country estate doubles as a free-range mental asylum. 
The cast has featured Jordan Boatman, Arnie Burton, James Daly, Ellen Harvey, and Andrew Keenan-Bolger, and is currently playing at New World Stages. Hmm. So tis the season for horror, comedy horror. It is fall. It is a time. I always say land a show at the right time of year. So this was the perfect time of year for this, I think. The perfect. We talk about this all the time. You know, like when we saw the Thanksgiving play, not during the Thanksgiving season and, you know, certain things like that. And now, like, we actually are getting a spooky show during spooky season. So, like, what better? Right. 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 (laughs) Uh, uh, let's let's go into the plot and our thoughts on this a little bit first, because I think like the timeline and story of events of this show is super cool. I love that you know we take we're taking this like horror classic piece of Dracula and we're we're taking it in, and putting it in the pandemic number one, and it's like this podcast radio show. Cool. I w- actually should probably go back and listen to that podcast and see what are the differences from podcast to stage because I wonder if they just read the full script in like a comedy, a comedic way with the, you know, the lineup of stars, the Broadway stars that they had there. And then like, they took the best parts of that and they turned this into a play off Broadway. Um, I thought it was creative and cool. I, um, it was a perfect for me. No, but I thought it had really great moments. It was a fun night out on a Friday night and you know, I laughed, you know, taking Dracula and especially something that's supposed to be spooky and scary and like kind of, you know, putting that comedic spin on it. It, it was, it was fun. It was definitely fun. It was a little bit of Mel Brooks meets Monty Python yeah. meets old radio play spoof. Uh, and, and I thought that was fun. I think there's yeah. some fun to it. The I will say the strengths for me were the acting. I thought yeah. every single one of them was bringing their A game and the different characters they all played. I was really impressed with that. Um, I also really enjoyed that this did stick somewhat similar to the plot of actual Dracula book, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That they kind of stuck with the general plot of that. Um, and I was really impressed with like the costume design was nice and the wig design and the lighting. I don't know. I was really, for a small space, I thought it was lit. Every time the thunder and lightning came, I kind of jumped the lights would fade and we would be in different locations and they lit different. I just thought it was lit really well. Yeah, uh, From that a creative a really... standpoint, definitely, you know, looking at this lighting and even the set, I mean, we go to so many different Broadway shows and I don't think people are putting as much thought into the set as this show did. So, you know, you definitely have to apply the scenic design and you definitely have to apply the lighting. Lighting is a character in this show for mm. sure, especially with blackouts and spooky moments or comedic moments like that. I, um, I also this was a, I thought this was an opportunity for Andrew Keenan Bolger to really shine and show different sides of his acting. We've seen mm-hmm. him do plenty of things where he, and he's done newsies and he's done some big shows like that. Uh, this was a kind of different thing for him. I like seeing different sides of him and the different accents and characters. Um, yeah. I'm also a really big fan of Ellen Harvey. I just think she's so funny and she's seasoned Broadway performer. And to see her up there. Just really killing some of the comedy was great. I, we were at laughing out loud at a few of her moments for sure. I really yeah. enjoyed her. Uh, th- I mean, they all did a great job with their acting. Even like Arnie Burton, who was like a standout performance for me. And James Daly, who's really like owning the stage. You know, the other, there's five characters in this show's, whole show. James plays Dracula and he he's the only one that doesn't play any other characters. The four other actors, actors. are 
going in and out and playing different roles throughout this whole thing. So they're constantly quick changing into these different roles and they're gender bendering certain roles and like men playing women, women playing men, or you don't even know what their gender is. And it's, you know, that was interesting, super progressive in a way at times, maybe. I don't know. I, For I did sure. see some I people think... saying like, mm, it teeters on the line of like, do we like this? Do we not? I don't know. I feel like, to me, there was definitely, when you see absurdist farce and absurdist um, comedy like this, and you see the play that goes wrong, and you see Peter Pan goes wrong, and then you see the cottage even, right? And you see these really whimsical doors are slamming, noises off kind of moments. There was a part of me that thought that this could have just went a little further with them. Oh, for sure. I think that the actors did what they as great as they could with what they were given. And I thought the designers did as great as they could. To me, I thought that there was just a little bit of weakness in some of the writing. Give me more wig changes, more costume changes, more slapstick comedy. It was like sexual humor, but it was like, oh, we're going to teeter on PG-13 or R. You know, if you had to kind of, it was like, go R. Like, if you're going to go there, like push, like when you see, here's an example, roll in the hay in Young Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. when they're just talking about having you know what, on a hayride and like Sutton Foster's genius. What are you talking com- about? I yeah, don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> when you're, and, and, and Andrea Martin's brilliant humor in that and Megan Mullally's brilliant humor. Like there's just like the absurdity of the lust that these women have in this mansion I thought could have maybe been similar in Dracula and could have pushed. Dracula had this like lust, but he also, from a writing perspective, wasn't even in it a ton. I almost yeah. wish we saw him more. There was a lot of times like, where is he? He's gone for like 15 yeah. minutes. That well, was just that's like a topic thing. here is like with Gordon Greenberg and the directing and the writing of this piece. You know, the text is already there from Dracula. So now it's how do we enhance this text into what the creative, you know, thought process was behind here. And I look at it and I do say there is great potential with this show. You know, it it had great potential starting out as the podcast and then now moving into this off-Broadway show. But I'm in in total agreement with you on, like, what did this show want to be is, like, my first question. We'll be right back. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back when you kind of look at some of the promo and stuff like that, I at first thought like, Oh, was this going to be a musical, you know, but right. now it's a play and right. it's a comedic play, but where, where are certain things like, okay, take a show like Titanic. That's like, it's parody. It's, it's taking the story of Titanic and it's becoming a parody and it's really going there. But like they use certain techniques in theater that really work. So like improv, I felt like, and, and that's what really works in Titanic, bringing that improv in there, because that's where you push the boundaries in comedy, where you feed off the audience that is there. So I felt like with Dracula, it was a little bit more like, okay, 
we're I guess we're not going to touch on improv, but at times you kind of felt like, oh, they want to improv this. They want to feed off of this. Like James, I thought, did a really good job feeding off of the energy of the audience playing Dracula, like, you know, looking for their response, looking for that laugh, looking for something like that. And then also like seeing what's happening on stage and saying like, okay, I'm going to respond to that. And I felt like that's where this show could have like pushed the boundary, like go wild, go completely cuckoo, wacky, wild with this it's off broadway it's where it needs to be it doesn't need to be on the big stage here it doesn't need to be okay let me deliver my line let me deliver my line it needed to be a little wild especially with people knowing dracula and and when you when you look at titanic there's so many pop cultural references that it totally takes you out when you're talking about rupaul and patty lapone and celine dion on this boat Mm -hmm. and 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 it totally works. So there was a few pop culture references here. They were like, I, when he's like, I love Lucy, like, you know, referencing the show. Yeah. And then also um, Mamma Mia. Oh, here we go again. Like there was, there was moments, but I thought there could have been more. There could have been yeah. more. Like give up. we're going to go there, go there, you know? Right, which is something like, I feel like we appreciate in, in theater when we see it, it's like, okay, give us that reference that we totally relate to and want to. Like they should have picked a target in here that said okay we're we're gonna do this and like we're gonna spoof all scary at the same time you know like we're gonna it's dracula but we're like gonna talk about we know that there's all the other monsters in the world so like let's make it funny like like that yeah and because like some of the pop stuff for me is like all right well like that wouldn't really have made sense at the time but if you go and you take like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and you spoof that and like maybe that's who shows up to you know the the engagement party it's like the other monsters I don't know like I think that's push the boundary on it yeah and then you're like laughing hysterically it it had great moments this show I just agree with you that there should have been more I wanted to be slapping my knee laughing the whole time and there were, and I will say 90 minutes worked. It was a good mm-hmm. runtime, no intermission needed. They were moving that plot along, the the changes. The the I was just really impressed with the costume changes. Yeah. Like some of them, how they went from character to character. That was great. I loved the addition of the puppets that Andrew Keenan Bolger had with the two on and he was doing all three voices. That was cool. Mm-hmm. It brought in old school comedy. And yeah. I thought that was really impressive for sure. Right. And I think that's something like from a directing standpoint that we can praise. We can praise a lot of like you're given four actors that are going to be on and off that stage in quick time. Like, how are we going to use the stage to our best? And how are we going to get them on and off playing these different roles? And it worked. And it's funny. That's like where I think we get the most laughs. And it's like, like the gender bendering part of this is like, oh, okay, I need another female on this stage. So we're just going to put you in this and you're going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. And how are you gonna how are you gonna portray this character? It's also interesting that if you look at the original source text of Dracula, there are themes of sexuality and seduction. He what what is the original Dracula? He goes after, I believe, predominantly women, and there's a seduction, and then there's an attack and a death, right? Mm-hmm. And there is that lusty. So, of course, someone spoofing this would be like, oh, yeah, shouldn't Dracula be, like, shirtless in the beginning? Shouldn't Dracula have this, like, really um, grandiose energy to him? And and, and it totally worked. I thought that was great. There's also gender and 
in the original source text and they worked with the gender bendering cool i actually could have used a little more of it i think we could even see more of it right and then there's this um overlying topic of disease right like Mm -hmm. the original is about people die i mean it is a horror so like how did this new one take they took the disease and they're like she's dying oh and it was like a dummy in the bed it was like (laughs) like like they played with disease as this like we we will get the doctor oh wait it's a female doctor like they they played with all that like fun and so they Mm -hmm. went with the source material that is what i was really impressed with they used the source material similar and not to compare it to titanic but like they took source material of -hmm. this shipwreck but really the movie and they worked with the source material the victor garber moment things like that so with this it was like okay let's work with these characters that were given let's not stray too far away Mm -hmm. i think we could have just had a little bit more of that like silly silly like run around the stage like whoa they're non-stop you know and and you're in a small space and i love the space that it was in i didn't want it to be in a big theater i was glad that we were in 10 rows of a couple hundred seat off broadway space it totally worked i just liked mm-hmm. that, you know yeah so there's some commentary i think like what do you think their main inspiration came from in you know either reading the text of the book or seeing a movie or seeing a performance of dracula where do you think it came from like the inspiration for wanting to modernize this in a way and also spoof it sort of my thoughts are that there's two answers to that mm-hmm. one being well if mel brooks could do it like like it's been done before so like mm-hmm. take classic horror uh right. we we spoof things all the time like there there was a silence of the lamb spoof off probably i think 10 or 20 years ago or uh Right. That was, that was an off probably running for a while. So I think there's this, like, this is horror or just drama, right? It's kind of drama too. That hasn't been touched in the spoof sense. So let's spoof it. Forbidden Broadway spoofs things yearly. Like spoof is so common. We're spoofing Titanic. What Titanic? Why not spoof this? There was like that. And then there's this other thing of like, but like, I get what you're saying, but with this show, do you feel like it was totally spoofing the show? I definitely was was playing light like what are you trying to say that you thought there was i'm trying trying to to say are they trying to take i'm trying to say like are they taking the story and they're trying to modernize it because they think the story is important and like some of the text from the story needed to be brought up like bringing you know dracula a pansexual you know villain here who's interested in both men and women like why wasn't the story written like that to begin with and there is truth to that, too. I don't think this is just a spoof. I think this is also a let's tell this in a comedic way. Let's tell it in a different way. But I do think that there is this other side to it, which is like America's fascination with Halloween. <clears throat> and there's this, we start, so we people decorate for Halloween on August 15th now, and we all <laughs> go to horror movies, and we love haunted houses. And, and, and so there was this like, yeah, what's playing on Broadway that's, the Rocky Horror Show is the only Halloween-esque show we've ever really had. Like, bring another one. I feel you know? like, right. But I feel like with this show, what it's kind of trying to say to us is like, it's like a what if show. Like, what if Dracula was told in this way? What if, you know, the vampire, like Dracula wanting to suck the blood is them wanting to make love to someone. Is that in the text? I don't know. I don't really remember Dracula enough to say that. But like, are we equivalating that? Like, Dracula doesn't want to have sex with you, but like Dracula wants to suck your blood. So it's implied it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, what if the actual doctor was a woman 
coming in and taking care of the sister. And like, sure, and there's definitely truth to pulling some truth to those characters and giving it a little bit of a spin. Like, no, maybe it should be told like this for a second. Right. I totally so I, get I, that. I kind of, like, just thinking about this a little bit more, I kind of like the idea of, like, what ifs. We do that in Broadway all the time with revivals. No, what if, you know, in My Fair Lady, she walks out of the theater? You know, or in Oklahoma, what if it was told like this and it's this really raunchy, dirty, like, southern, you know, yeah. or midwestern yeah. town? You know, the what ifs. That's something that I always love. So now I'm kind of seeing, like, what if Dracula was told as a comedy? We'll be right back. Let's jump back into things. That's why I'm kind of wondering if this is supposed to be spoof, or is it just like the retelling of the story in a what-if way? Which might be why it didn't push the extremities of the comedy, the running Mm -hmm. around spoof, because maybe they wanted to keep some root to it. And I get that. And I get that. I just think that it was was a, a line that was teetering and I'm wondering yeah. if it could have gone one way more than the other. You know, they didn't want to put a drop. It's called a comedy of terrors, right? So I get that. Right. Um, not not Dracula, a parody. Right. Well, true. Exactly. And then there's this commentary on commercial off-Broadway as a whole. Yeah. And what is working? There's many different types of off-Broadway. There's off-off-Broadway. There's one-person shows. There's co- And then there's non-commercial off-Broadway. And then there's commercial off-Broadway. When you look at commercial off-Broadway, I look at commercial off-Broadway as bro- a Broadway show, but smaller. Yeah. So in terms of budgets, in terms of tickets totally. and, and, and location. And so I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, this is commercial off-Broadway. The venue's fine. And I'm going to talk about the venue in a second because I do okay. want to make a comment on New World Stages. We're going to get there in a second because yes. I know we're getting closer. But I, I do want to say, could this have been in the West Side Theater where Little Shop of Horrors is, where you have this mm-hmm. like old brick building, you walk upstairs into the lobby, and maybe it's decorated like you're walking into Transylvania Mansion? Sure. That could have been cool. I think that there was no like experience other than just the show in terms of the lobby and stuff. That's fine, because that's what New World Stages is. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it was definitely... You know, what are your thoughts on what Off-Broadway is doing right now? Titanic's kind of the same thing. You kind of walk in and then you're at the theater, right? So okay, well, how does when that we relate? Left, I kind of, I, when we left, I was pondering a little bit about Off-Broadway and what does Off-Broadway mean to New York City. I think at a time, Off-Broadway meant like that's where something starts out. And it tests its waters before going to Broadway. I could be wrong on that, but plenty of shows have started off Broadway and then have moved to Broadway after. And and things like change much. Like Here Lies Love is a great example. Hamilton is a great example. These shows were off Broadway and then they moved to Broadway. And how does it work there? But I kind of wonder, like, do we need to hold off Broadway to the same caliber of Broadway? Uh, yes and no. When because, you're charging the price of the same price of a ticket as a Broadway show ticket, then yes. Because <laughs> right. you know what? It so, used to be that probably sh- if a Broadway show is $100, an off-Broadway show is $40. You know, it used to be. Right. Now, so, the, so the discussion there at, at something like New World Stages, I think, is a different breed because it's so close to Broadway, but the seat capacity doesn't meet the Broadway standard. So, like, it's those four theaters or five, however many theaters are in New World Stages, sit right there like a block away from, you know, not even from circle in the square and the Gershwin theater, they're right there. So, but I looked at something and I said to me, this is a really good show. 
could there have been better moments? Sure. That's any show that you see. But, you know, I thought about Off-Broadway and I said, where in Off-Broadway has the festival style, the new work style show gone? Because well, the festivals, the, all the festivals have gone. There's a lot of gone, not all of them, but a lot of the quick new playwright, one acts, festival styles all gone. It's expensive and it's not, it's not like right. it was and, 30, and 40, years And I look at that ago. and I say, you know, that's sad for New York City because you look at something like the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and, you know, this is something that I feel like would thrive heavily at the Fringe. But we don't even have the Fringe anymore in New York. It's like, where did it go? But this is like, when I went to the Fringe, this is the stuff that you experience and you say, oh, this could be developed into something bigger and bigger. And now we're in the off-Broadway space and we're saying, okay, this needs to be held to the same standards as a Broadway show. But it wasn't given the chance to just like live and breathe first. And I just wonder why. Sure. And and, and some of it, you know, comes down to your experience at the show and Mm -hmm. the location of the show. Were right. there people laughing? Sure. Were there empty seats on, on a Friday night in late September for uh, entering Halloween season? I was kind of like, oh, there should be more people here. Like, this is fun. Yeah. This is a nice date night out for people. This is fun. Especially because, uh, especially because I think that this show, people that are big fans of horror and big fans of Dracula and big fans of kind of like comedy would love a show like this. Yeah. And there was also a part of me, and I, this is why I was talking about New World Stages, I remember the days of New World Stages when it was new and when it was it was like the place. Mm-hmm. There were lines outside to get in. There were five or six shows going at one time, night events, bars set up. You were like in this little theater mecca of, whoa, I'm on a I'm really on Broadway, but I'm in the the tip top place for off Broadway. And right. then I went the other night and it's a Friday night. And this, I'm not trying to be disrespectful of New World Stages. Of course, they're struggling to put, maybe they're tr- struggling to come back from COVID, but most of those theaters are empty right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know things come and go, but there was a lot of, I think only two or three of their theaters out of theirs, maybe six are operating. One of the bars was shut down. The escalator was broken. There was construction going on. Nothing in the lobby is telling us what's coming. There was no art exhibit. I mean, you have these huge lobbies. There's no... Right. I don't know. There's nothing. There's no the history of New World Stage. Nothing to look at. So we got there early. We're like, oh, okay, it was quiet. We go in. We see the show. Have a great time. Leave the show, and then it's like, oh, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a Friday night, and there's no like, whoa, okay, this is great. Let's like, where's the stage door? No one knows where to go. There's no signs. And then we're walking on the steps like, good night. We're like, okay, I don't know. Like, there was a odd energy at New World Stage. This has nothing to do with Dracula. I'm not talking about. The no, show but, we're talking, the, but we're talking about the venue that this is being yeah, held at because I think that Dracula is a perfect show to be in something like New World to, Stages. What, what, and I also think like New World Stages, it what does New World Stages mean? You know, what is the mission behind it? Because I feel like there are so many shows that could have been in New World Stages, thrived in New World Stages, and still been in New World but Stages. But they're nice, they're tip top. But think, but think of shows like... Avenue Q that sat there for a long time. Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys that sat there for a long time after. But also, 
you know, new stuff that was recently on Broadway that could have thrived in New World stages. Like, look at The Lightning Thief or Be More Chill or Fat Ham. These shows that are cool and modern and fun and hip but that the- are trying to make it big on Broadway that really can't, but could have a life in somewhere like New World stages, but no one knows about it. And the venue is is a state-of-the-art venue. It's new. There's new lighting, yeah. new seats. new. It's new, you know? So it's, like, got yeah. good equipment. And, and then there's something that's, like, when we went to Titanic or Little Shop of Horrors, other commercial off-Broadway, there's a step and repeat. There's a bar downstairs with themed cocktails. They're trying to imitate. If you're going to try to imitate commercial Broadway and commercial off-Broadway, there needs to be a vibe. There's music in the lobby. There was a, a, a whole downstairs lounge at Titanic that you could hang out in before the show. The yeah. step and repeat, the photos, the the street. You have to kind of walk to up and out to New World stages, but there's huge lobbies and nothing's going on. There used to be this, so you think you can drag competition in that lobby? I've seen that lobby packed you couldn't get through you know yeah. so something's going on with new world stages there's so many empty theaters there i'm like maybe it's just we're in between but why is a little a quick short holiday show not going in there next like like right. why is melissa etheridge was actually there right so that's cool but like where's the next person pop person trying out their one person show mm-hmm. you know i don't yeah. know so just an interesting commentary on <laughs> that i'm not sure what's going on with new world i hope that they find footing because they're in a great location yeah. in a really nice facility so i don't know i just I, I would actually love to talk to someone from there and find yeah. out like what's going on here you know i don't know that was yeah. just a comment um but yeah so yeah <laughs> Oh my gosh! Wow, that was uh, that flew by as they always do. Talking about all things Dracula. <laughs> what are your final thoughts here on Dracula: Comedy of Terrors? I think my final thoughts really stand by what I said earlier. This was a fun comedy night out, definitely for people who love Dracula, for people that love comedy, and just are looking for something fun to do um, in this spooky season. I mean, there's not much on Broadway right now that is spooky. You know, Grey House was there, and then it closed before spooky season so now it's like here you go here's your show so i definitely i recommend it for people that you know want to see something funny i agree it's funny the acting's great some great design uh here and there the book to me was a little like i thought it just could have been had it some more slapstick moments uh yeah. for sure but overall it wasn't a bad night at the theater i enjoyed yeah. it uh and it'll be nice to see if we see more of these things in the commercial off-broadway space definitely for sure. but it was it was fun and perfect timing with halloween coming up you know perfect timing yes very nice well that does wrap up our discussion on today's episode we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into dracula a comedy of terrors and don't forget we want to hear from you continue the conversation with us on instagram and tiktok at half hour podcast and let us know your thoughts on dracula and any other broadway or off broadway show that you want us to discuss and if you enjoyed our show please leave us a review your feedback helps us bring more broadway to you remember you can listen to our past episodes and please stay tuned for our upcoming ones as well Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.